It's Daily Thunder, the special holiday edition. The Ellerslie campus is closed through Christmas break, but Daily Thunders are still booming forth daily through this podcast. For those of you that like to enjoy Daily Thunder live and in person on the Ellerslie campus, mark your calendars for our relaunch on Monday, January 13th. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. This episode is part of a special commemorative series featuring Ellerslie's staff picks for the best Daily Thunder episodes of 2019 and is delivered by Nathan Johnson. Uh, There's a passage in scripture that's been really uh, profound, at least in my life, uh, over these last couple of years, and it's just one that God consistently brings back to my mind. And I feel like just where we're at as an organization and as a group, and even this week, I figured it could just be a good, fresh reminder uh, for all of us this morning. It's from Hebrews 13, and uh, just a really cool passage. Let me read this to you. Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6 says, For he himself, speaking of God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You realize there's an there's a key tie between this idea of God himself, or really Jesus himself, saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And because that is said, therefore, we can boldly say, not just declare it, but that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear for what can man do to me. In other words, the reason we can stand boldly, the reason we can have confidence, the reason that we can march into our day with a smile on our face with just this grit and gusto, is because we know for a fact that Jesus himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It reminds me a lot of if you look at David's life. There's this great story in 2 Samuel chapter 5 where David is finally crowned king over all of Israel. And it says that the moment that David is crowned king over all of Israel, all the Philistines come out to war against David. And it's interesting, as David comes to the Valley of the Rephaim, he looks out and he says, God, hey, are you going to rescue me? Are you going to deliver the Philistines into my hands? And God looks at David and he declares to David, I will doubtlessly deliver the Philistines into your hands. Now, if you had a promise like that from God, wouldn't you march into battle with like just a smile? In fact, if I was David, I've said this so many times, if I was David, I would have looked at the troops and been like, take the day off. Because God can win with many or with few. Jonathan proved that. And hey, Jonathan and David were great buddies. So obviously David would have heard the stories. So hey, if I was David and God, hey, he promised, he doubtlessly will deliver the Philistines into my hands. Well, then just march out with boldness and confidence. And and why could David do that? Well, because God has promised. God has declared. Isn't it neat in our passage that we can stand forth, we can boldly proclaim, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. Hey, hey what, what, is, what are the people around me, what are the enemies going to do? Nothing. Hey, they, they have nothing. Why? Because God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, another translation, I liked how it said it, it says it this way. The Lexum says, for he himself has said, I will never desert you and I will never abandon you. So then we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? I just want to look at this really quickly with you. It starts off with he himself said. And you realize that the fact that it's he himself 
is a double emphasis. It doesn't say, well, he said, or, you know, himself said. It is he himself. And if you've ever sat through Bible study stuff, you realize that any time you see repetition, it's there for emphasis. So the fact that it's he himself, it's not giving you any wiggle room. It's saying, hey, down to it, there's this person, and he himself has said this. Not, well, well, maybe he thought about it. This isn't like, well, maybe one day we thought we heard him say this. This is, no, guaranteed, for sure, overemphasis, Jesus is declaring something. Making sense? So it's a double emphasis on the per- person speaking. Now, the word, I will never leave you, the word there, leave, means to desert, to abandon, to forsake, to leave behind, to depart and not take along, either intentionally or by neglect or forgetfulness. Now, the word forget, or sorry, forsake, means to desert, to give up, to cease from, to abandon, forsake, leave behind. Doesn't that sound like the exact same thing? So then what is the difference? Let me explain this to you. The word there for leave, in the Greek it has this idea of leaving something. It it is to give up on something, to fail. Uh, It's to leave something behind, but it's impersonal. The word there, forsake, which is used ten times in the New Testament, every time that word shows up in Scripture, it is always referenced in terms of relationship. So let me give you some examples. Uh, I, I'm a water bottle fanatic. I, I, ever since I was in junior high, I, I've always had a water bottle with me. In fact, right there. I mean, I, I, every day I leave the house, if I don't have my water bottle, I will turn around, I will go back and get it because I, I just have to have my water bottle. Why? I don't know. But for years, I mean, since I was in junior high, I've always had water bottles. <clears throat> and uh, several years ago, I was speaking in Tennessee and I had a friend come with me, and he says, hey, could I borrow a water bottle since, since I'm going? I, I'm going to need something. I says, I'll let you borrow one. However, these are precious to me. Please do not leave behind. Do not forsake. Do not let go of. Please guard the water bottle. And so my friend Zachary, who's from Australia, uh, went and uh, had this water bottle, and, and some, we were doing some sort of downtown Nashville ministry something and he came back and just said Nathan I, I desperately apologize I am so sorry I was down there we got so distracted we got in the car we came back and I left your water bottle somewhere and I looked at him I said Zachary this hurts <laughs> this is like one of my favorite water bottles I told you this is one of my favorite things in the world I asked you to guard it and what did you do you left it behind two days later same we were still in Tennessee I went off to this coffee meeting took my water bottle like I always do I left the coffee shop went back to the conference I said hey where's my water bottle and do you know what I had done I had left and forsaken my water bottle <laughs> and then I had to go apologize to Zachary Okay, but that's the idea of leave. In other words, it's impersonal. In other words, I I don't have a relationship with my water bottle. I love my water bottle. But I don't have a relationship with my water bottle. Right? So that's the idea of leaving. Uh, If you've ever gone on vacation and you get in the car and and you start driving down the road, and, of course, inevitably one of the kids say, Hey, Mom, I forgot my toothbrush. Right? And as as, when when I was a little kid, my parents were like, We're not going back. We're already three hours in the trip. We'll buy you a new toothbrush. Right? I forgot a pillow. Forget the pillow. You'll sleep on a rock, right? Whatever it is. That's the idea of leave. So I've left something, but it's impersonal. 
That's very different than the word forsake. Here in the Greek, the word forsake has this idea of, again, it's to desert something. It is to abandon something. It's to leave something, but it's always in the context of relationship. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my mom would always take us shopping, which I never liked too much. But I, I liked going to the big, big superstore kind of things, like a Walmart or a, a clothing store. And the reasoning is that they always had those racks in the circle, you know, those, you know, those, those clothing rack things. And as a little kid, it was just always my secret delight. I just, I loved, mom would go out and do her shopping thing. I'd be like, I'll find you eventually. And I, I would hop in the middle of those clothes racks and I'd have an adventure. It was like Narnia. I mean, it was awesome. And here I am in this little clothes rack. And, and uh, I really loved it when someone was like, you know, shopping and they get to my clothes rack, you know, and they're like looking at stuff and they like push us to, you know, look at this thing and I'll like pop out, hey, you know, and it was, it was always delightful. Well, you know, as a little kid, eventually you have to come out of these things. And so you come out and your mom was right over there and suddenly you're looking around and mom's not there. And you have this trepidation of soul saying, maybe she left me. Maybe she forgot that I'm alive. Maybe, and of course, you know, sometimes parents know what they're, you know, know this whole thing. And so they're purposely hiding and watching to see what the kid will do. Mom, my mom, my mom used to do that. Um, or sometimes they did honestly kind of forget because they, they haven't seen you in a few minutes. And so they just start to wander and you got to go find them. So when this happened like two weeks ago, here I was looking around, desperately longing for my mom. Just kidding. It wasn't two weeks ago. It was three weeks ago. But, uh, but does that, does that make sense as a little kid? You feel forgotten. You feel forsaken. You feel left. That's this word. So the first word, leave, has this idea, well, it's, it's something just tangible. It's, it's, you know, it's just a toothbrush kind of stuff. There's no relationship with it. I've left it, but there's no relationship. But forsake has this idea of, all right, it's, it's, uh, I've forsaken it, but it's relational in, in the sense or in the, in the term. So listen to what God is saying. He's looking at you square in the face saying, hey, I promise I will never leave you. Hey, I'm not going to treat you like some little object that, oh, I'm on vacation, I forgot a toothbrush, oh, well, it doesn't matter anyway. See, God will never do that to us. But not only that, he's not going to forsake us. Why? Because we are in relationship with him. He, he's not just going to leave us behind saying, eh, you know, it's just one. You know, I did youth ministry for years, and we just figured, you know, as long as we brought back 90%, we figured we were doing good. I mean, they're teenagers. We could lose a few. It's not a big deal, right? But God doesn't ever feel that way. See, God will never leave us or forsake us. He's not going to treat us as some object and just go, eh, it doesn't matter. Nor is he going to look at us in relationship and say, you know what? I'm cutting this thing off. And so the emphasis here is, hey, he himself, this is, hey, this is specific. This is an emphasis. He himself has said this. This isn't what we hoped him to say. This isn't, well, wouldn't it be great if God could have said this? Hey, he himself has said this. And what has he said? Hey, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that awesome? No wonder we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? Hey, what can man do to me? Why? Because he is never going to leave us or forsake us. Now, here's the amazing thing about this passage. Oh, this is so cool. If you have an English translation, which I'm presuming all of us do, it doesn't denote the emphasis of the Greek. And the reason is it makes no sense. It's, it's hard to write this in, in proper English if you're going to translate it correctly. 
And the reasoning being is there's, there's some things that are happening in the Greek that is it's just weird. And it's this idea of a double negative emphasis. Now, in English, the moment you put two negatives together, it makes it a positive. Right? It gets so confusing. I, people write, they, they did not, not did this. Or whatever, right? And you're like, so they did it. Correct. Why don't you say they did it? Right? So in English, when you have a double negative, it makes it a positive. But in Greek, it just, it's there for emphasis. Does it make sense? So this isn't like it doesn't negate it. It just, it just it overemphasizes. It's getting confusing, I know. So in the, in the actual translation, it says, For he himself has said, I will never, that's a negative, right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's how we translate it. That's two, two negatives. But in the Greek, it actually says, I will never, never leave you, nor never, never forsake you. There's actually five. That's awesome. Hello, good morning. Right? Isn't that awesome? I was talking to a scholar friend of mine. He, uh, he's a Greek scholar. And I was talking about this passage. I was like, just, could you just verify for me, just make sure that I'm, I am reading this correctly? There is five negatives, Correct. So I will never, never leave you, nor never, never forsake you. He goes, yep. He goes, nope, that's wrong. He goes, oh, this is so cool. He goes, I've never, this is amazing. And I'm like, tell me. Because I'm like, I can't read your mind. And he's looking, he goes, there's actually seven. I'm like, seven? He goes, yeah, the way the Greek construct is, it actually forces two more, which you wouldn't know unless you were on the level of a Greek scholar. Do you realize that this passage it's like God is yelling. He's hitting you over the head with a two-by-four. I mean, he's shouting in your face, saying, I am never going to do this. I am never, 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 never going to leave you or forsake you. Are you getting this? Never. So maybe in this circumstance, no, never. Never, never. Never, ever. Never, 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 ever. You getting this? So what if I'm having a really hard day? No. What if there's no finances? He's still not leaving us. Praise the Lord. What if things get hard? Yeah, he's still there. Isn't it interesting? Or maybe I should say it this way. No wonder David could make such bold statements like, even if 10,000 times 10,000 surround me, even then I shall not fear. And you're like, David, that's a lot of people. I mean, if I had 10 people surrounding me with the intent to kill me, I, I would, I, I'd have some problems. I'd be screaming. If there was one Dan McConaughey, I would be screaming. Let alone 10. Let alone 10,000 times 10,000. Are you, David, are you kidding me? But he knew his God. And then he later writes, hey, even if the, even if the earthquakes and even if the, the, a mountain was picked up and thrown into the sea, <laughs> could you imagine what that would look like? And even if the sky itself was ripped in half, which would have to be pretty cool. And I don't know what's behind it, but it's probably awesome. And I would be screaming. But even if that happened, David said, even then I shall not fear. David, what, what's going on? He knows his God. Do we know our Jesus like that? Because so oftentimes it seems like we live in trepidation or anxiety or fear or concern or worry or 
you know, what's going to happen, or how is this going to be pulled off, or, you know, how on earth are we going to get the finances, or hey, what's going to happen if this doesn't work out, and, and we, we live in this state of just, we, we know God can maybe, probably, sort of, we hope he could do it, but we don't live as if he can. But you realize he himself has said, I will never, never leave you, nor will I never, never forsake you. Never, never. Never, ever. So therefore, we can boldly proclaim, the Lord is my helper, I shall not fear. I mean, what's, what, what is, what's going to happen that God can't control? Here's one way you can say it. It's like God is looking at you in the face saying, I will in no way give you up or let you go. I will not relax my hold on you. That's a great way of saying it. In other words, he will neither withdraw his presence nor his help. Matthew 28, 20 says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a promise. John 14, 18 says, Hey, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. John 16, 7. I will send the helper to you. Which is why we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Can we live in this reality? And again, I don't know what's going on in your life, but there seems to be a lot happening in these days. You know, you've got politics and economy stuff and, you know, ministry and business and relationships and finances and and I think there's a lot of potential for concern and anxiety and fear and trembling. But we have a God who is never, ever, ever going to leave us. He's not going to treat us as some little object and just forget us by the wayside. Nor is he ever, 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 ever going to sever that relationship and just go, eh, doesn't matter. And leave us on our own. Because he has promised that encouraging and I don't know about you but I need to remember that that my God is a God who will never ever leave or forsake us because he is good Jesus we love you Lord thank you for your promises and thank you for the fact that your word has declared that you have said I will never 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 leave you nor never, never, never forsake you. So Lord, no wonder we can boldly proclaim, ha, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear. And Lord, would you apply that specifically into each of our lives? And would you take that and press it deep into our hearts and our minds? And I pray it wouldn't just be a nice refrigerator statement that we hang on the wall, but it becomes the foundation for living that no matter the circumstance or the situation or the relationship or the finance or the the, the, the potential bait for anxiety or frustration or fear, Lord, I pray that we would boldly proclaim with a smile upon our face, even if 10,000 times 10,000 surround us, even if the earth quakes and the mountains are picked up and thrown into the sea and the earth is split asunder, even then I shall not fear, for I know my God. So, Lord, may we know you better. May we grow in our intimacy and relationship and oneness with you. Would you expand and get bigger and bigger in our lives? Lord, this thing is only to increase. Our love for you is only to increase. 
Our focus of you only should be increasing. Our passion and our love for you should only just get bigger and bigger and bigger as the years go by. Lord, may we know that you truly are God. And you refuse to leave us or forsake us. Oh, thank you. What an amazing reality. Because it's not based on our performance. It's not based on our behavior. It's not based on our attitude. It's based on your character. And it's based on your nature. So Lord, we just love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. We praise you that you're a God that never leaves nor forsakes. We just pray this in your precious name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Our live Daily Thunder online stream and our live in-studio Daily Thunder experience will be starting back on Monday, January 13th, when our team returns from their much-deserved holiday break. Meanwhile, we encourage you to plan a visit to our beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.